Well, hello, and welcome back to Season 3 of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and this is Episode 105, the first one of the season. I think it's going to be very, very creepy and very good. So, I hope you brought your scary pants. <laughs> well, how is everybody? And welcome back, man. This is season three. Season two is in the books. It's done, over with. We're going on to number three, guys. Episode 105 today. Kicking off season three. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Just want to say, guys... Uh, Keep uh, giving me five-star reviews. Uh, like on Spotify, you can give me some reviews. So give me a four- or five-star review if you want to, if you think the show's that good. But the numbers are getting bigger and stuff, but I still want to get a 10,000 downloads, guys. So come on, dig deep, tell your friends about the, the podcast, and uh, everybody contribute, and let's download a bunch of stuff and see what happens. But I'm glad you guys are back. Ready for season three. I got some great stuff today. Something I'm just kind of going back old school ways. Going to be talking about for a couple episodes of uh, some counties in Alabama that are pretty uh, pretty haunted, man. So I found some of that stuff to talk about. I'm excited about the show. Like I said, Lexi's going to be coming in more in season three. So it's going to be great, man. It's going to be awesome. I hope everybody's having a great week at work. And just a great week in general. I hope it's been pretty spooky. Hope you've been able to watch some scary movies. Or some scary shows. Who knows? But you just want to say thanks. And uh, remember guys, you can get reach this podcast anywhere. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, Amazon, iTunes. Um, uh, and we do have the YouTube channel, and if you're listening to us on the YouTube channel right now, hit that subscribe button, and y'all guys give me some good comments too, guys, so, it'd be good, man, but I guess I'm gonna quit rambling on here, and we will dive into our first story, what do you say? Okay, our first story is the Dirish House in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Durish House in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, according to the lineup, Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa's Durish House has officially been named the most haunted place in Alabama. It was built in 1937 by Dr. John R. Durish over a 450-acre plantation. Apparently, Dr. Durish, who uh, loved gambling and drinking, died in nineteen. 19- in 1867 from falling down a stair while drinking falling down the stairway while drinking wow buddy got a little drunk and was like woo his wife sarah became obsessed with planning her husband's funeral so much so that it became an overwhelming uh, event she she even kept the candles from his funeral with the intense hope that they would be used at her own funeral. When she passed in 1884, her family searched the house in the, in in the, searched the house endlessly to find the to find the candles, but could not. This is sad to have a. This is said to have angered Sarah so much <coughs> that she has uh, come back to haunt the house even allegedly causing a fire in the third-story tower by lighting the candles. The Durish House has been featured on the short story Death Lights and Tower. And it's a Kathleen Tucker uh, book. See what else I got. I got some more stuff. Okay, here we go. More about the Durish House. They say the window, the window's ghost lurks in the tower and sets in the house ablaze with a phantom fire. In Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, stands the uh, restored 
Derrish House, a Stanley home that now holds a spot in the National Registration of Historical Places. Excuse that in the background. I've got, I'm in here with the door shut in the studios and the dogs are still barking. Uh, however, the Dorish House has not always been a priority for preservationists. In fact, the Dorish House has changed hands many times since the tragic deaths of its original owners. And some think that, is ha that this has to do with tales of its haunting. Yeah, so excuse the dog barking in the back. Built over the course of two years, starting in 1837, the Dorish House uh, belonged to slave owner John Dorish and his wife Sarah. The marriage was a was a second for both of them. Their first spouses had uh, both died, and Sarah's husband had left her uh, quite wealthy. Der, uh, the Dorish slaves were instrumental in building of the new home and much of its rich agricultural became ap uh, 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 can't talk for shit that's nothing normal building the new home and much of its riches and stuff came from the uh, work of these slaves in 1867 tragedy struck Dorish Dorish an alleged alcoholic was said to be uh drinking it up after a night of uh, sobering up after a night of drinking when he got the shakes and in a hilariously state ran across uh ran across hallway the hallway and threw himself from the upstairs balcony killing himself upon impact at the bottom of the stairs son of a bitch that guy went cuckoo and just wee. Sarah, now widowed twice over, was was a was devised. Dorish had left an honorable burial request for his funeral, and uh, she ensured that these were carried out to the letter. After his death, however, the uh, widow the widow became. Uh, uh, obsessed with her grief. Sarah insisted that when she died, she was to have the exact treatment to her that her husband got. So she even saved... Okay, here's the deal about the candles. She even saved the uh, original candles from her husband's uh, funeral. So they, so, that they, so they could be used in hers. Yet when Sarah died in 1884, she uh, had hidden the candles so well that no one could find them in, uh, in honoring of her dying wishes. Many see its failure to carry out a mournful woman's final request as the spark that instigated the uh, Dorish House hauntings. Not long after Sarah's death, a local was alarmed to discover a fire burning in the front tower of the home. An emergency call was made, yet when responders or responders arrived, uh, no fire was burned. That's a phenom phenomenon. That's uh, uh, I said that wrong. That's phantom fire setting happened uh, repeatedly. Some surprised that it was Sarah's spirit lurking in the tower, and that set the uh, space ablaze. Angried or disappointed that her husband's candles were not uh, used in her own funeral. She just can't let shit go, can she, guys? <sniffs> the, ch uh, the house changed ownership multiple times in the uh, ensuing years. The building was used as a, a apartment during the uh, Tuscaloosa population expansion. As a school owned by the Tuscaloosa Board of Education as a uh, wrecking company, and as a church, during which time it uh, adjusted uh, structure was built to house various Sunday school classes. These uh, transitions brought the house into the late 20th century when the church finally closed the doors in 1995 for financial reasons. The old Dirch uh, house slipped into abandoncy and was eventually uh, taken over by the city. Well. Okay. 
That all changed by the new millennium. First, the Tuscaloosa County Preservation Society took over the Doris House, conducting uh, intentional repairs before selling it to a private owner in 2008. After the house was fixed to the point of safety, a team, man, them people made out like a bandit. They came in, took it, and they said, hey, we're going to fix it up and sell it. Ain't nothing y'all going to do about it. We're going to profit all the money. But soon after that, uh, after it was fixed and it was uh, back to living again, investigators were allowed inside to examine the alleged paranormal activity. While there there were no major uh, breakthroughs, the team did capture some uh, very curious activity were blustered by the fact that they had finally gained access to the Dorish house after all these years of being off limits. By 2015, news broke that the Dorish house was uh, coming back to life. By 2016, the new owner had restored the estate and opened it up to the public as a historical cultural place of interest. You can now host a... uh, Host uh, corporate events, a party, or any other weddings or shindigs you want to do there. And you just might see something at these uh, little shindigs. Well, that was the story of the Dorish House. I hope you enjoyed it, Candyman. Candyman. The Candyman came in the room. Knocked three times. And scared you. Sorry for the silence. I had to get some coffee. <laughs> Ate dinner. I had sloppy joes and I'm sleepy. So I'm drinking some coffee to keep me talking. All right. Let's take a little quick break and we'll be right back. Well, how's everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that, and we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around, and my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Booseville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens. Slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Well, I hope you like that little commercial. Our next story is the old Bryce Hospital in Northport, Alabama. The Northport Hospital is a hotspot for those seeking 
a haunting experience. It was a former insane asylum. The old Bryce Hospital had a reputation for treating its patients horribly. Even uh, various uh, kinds of torture. Visitors claimed to feel hot and cold spots. See items moving off their, of their own accord and hear ghostly sounds and footsteps. Scream scuffling of feet and the unexplained crackling of doors have been reported. You can explore the old Bryce Hospital today, although police uh, patrol the area. So apparently you cannot go here without permission. Okay, here's a moral about it. The abandoned Alabama hospital is thought to be one of the most places, most, most haunted places on earth. That's what they said about the last motherfucker I just did. Alabama is no stranger when it comes to uh, paranormal activity. In fact, one of the most haunted places in America, the Jemison Center, is located right here in the uh, Yellow Hammer State. In the Yellow Hammer State, okay. To learn all about the uh, Jemison Center, including examples of the paranormal activity many people have experienced there, take a look out there. Uh, just go check it out when you get it when you get done hearing that story. The Jameson Center also is known as the Old Bryce Hospital, and it's located in the uh, Northport in Northport, Alabama. The former uh, psych, uh, psychiatric hospital opened in the early 20th century and uh, housed patients until 1977. Today, it's abandoned and covered in plant growth. According to several reports, while the Jameson Center was uh, still open, patients were treated horribly. In fact, many of its uh, African-American patients were forced to work on nearby plantations for free. Fees were also smeared across the... Oh, feces was also smeared across the hospital's walls. The Gross. And no one's going to clean that shit up. Nasty fuckers. The Jemison Center has even been compared to a concentration camp. Over the years, the Jemison Center has gained a lot of attention because of its haunting reputation. Numerous people have explored and explored the interior of the abandoned hospital, which is sadly covered in, gra- in graffiti and have reported lots of uh, paranormal activity. A few examples of the paranormal activity people have reported include the sounds of disbodied voices, screams, and cracking doors. Some even reported their hair being pulled, being hit, and discovering scratches on themselves after they leave the place. If you do decide to visit the Jameson Center, keep in mind you'll be trespassing guys. So you might want to try to get uh, permission before you go there. I'd hate to, hate to see some of my fellow listeners in jail for exploring something I told them about. <coughs> <coughs> All right. Let's see what this says. It's just some more stuff I sco- uh, got on it. Although most ghost websites were referred to this place as Old Bryce uh, Mental Hospital, this is not an uh, accurate uh, an accurate dis, uh, de- designate, designation. There is a Bryce Mental Hospital in Alabama, but it has been located in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa since it uh, was built in nineteen in eighteen sixty one. And the Jameson Center, as this place is accurately called, was not founded as a uh, healthcare facility until the 1920s. Therefore, it could hardly be considered the old Bryce Hospital. This is one of the uh, those places and cases where it has heard to separate fact from fiction. Most accounts written about Jameson tell of the place being a segregated faculty were free for were freed blacks were were had trouble adjusting to the life after slavery were sent. 
So basically, there wasn't any problem with these uh, uh, black men and women. They just uh, were being dicks and were like, huh, let's stick them here. Because people are just jerks. Okay, where was he at? Digga, 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 digga. Okay, anyway, that's where the freed black slaves went after the Civil War when they couldn't adjust to life. The patients were therefore required to toll in the to uh, t uh, work in the fields and produce crops that would be uh, profitable, making the lives of their lives of these former slaves a little different than their uh, days on the plantation. However, any however, who can do simple math can see that the slight problem with this, as Jamison was not opened up until approximately sixty years after the. Abomination uh, uh, of slavery. It does not even seem likely that recently free, freed blacks who had trouble with adjusting would have been been there. But you know, too, I wouldn't put it past them back then because people were really stupid and racist back then. So that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, because people were very ignorant back then. It does not seem likely that former slaves between ages seventy and eighty would have been sent back to the into the fields to uh work at jasmine if they had been transferred there in the uh, 1920s so already we have a case fact uh that is wrong with a good story and more likely the historians of the uh actual bruce hospital or in the jameson center were getting the uh were getting uh entangled in any event, this place has been setting in setting in the people who uh, mentally ill patients until the early 20th century. Basically, it's saying it was a uh, place for the mentally 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 ill until the early 20th century. The reports of hauntings include a variety of events. Encounters with hair being pulled and the sensation of being hit or kicked. This place is a falling uh, is a falling down ruin, and, and if uh, of course they're telling you watch out for trespassing and excuse me yada yada yada. Yeah, that's one thing, guys. If y'all know some places that y'all can get access to to explore, tell me about it. But I don't want y'all to do nothing, be doing anything illegal. I would feel bad. Oh, that's some good coffee. All right, what do we have next? This one seems pretty big. Okay. Okay. Our next story is the Lucas Tavern in Montgomery, Alabama. The haunting of the Lucas Tavern is a bit lighter than the rest. From 1820 to 1840, the tavern was a favorite upscale place for the travelers to enjoy a clean bed and safe place to stay. It was run by Eliza Lucas, who found great joy in hosting her uh, travelly weary guest. The tavern eventually became a private home for the Lucas for the Lucas family and in nineteen eighty no long no uh, nineteen eighty long after her death, the tavern was restored to its former glory. That's when the ghost of the friendly uh, hostess began to visit the uh, occupants. The most common sighting of Eliza Lucas is that one of a short woman dressed in a most common oh in a Victorian dress waving kindly and smiling at passersby in the doorway of the tavern. A favorite story of uh, Eliza encountered while she attended a community member meeting when one member became hostile and angry and in his response to a controversial topic Eliza Ledge blasted a great poof of ash and smoke atop of him to show him that his temper had not anger has that his temp temper had not 
argue with her had standards for uh, gentle southern manners. Eliza is proof that some ghosts stick around simply to keep the traditions alive. All right. The Lucas Tavern House uh, is a building with a main tavern room, a kitchen, an eating area, and bedrooms that was fully restored by 1979 when the group of historical buildings in its <coughs> and it is a part of where part of where all the uh, revisited and re. Uh, Turn to their original conditions. So basically, they went to this little community and put everything back old school the way it was. It became the visitors' reception center and the home of the offices of the historic district, an organization that runs the Living Museum of Historical Buildings, popular with tourists. The back door of the tavern opens up into a square historical buildings, into Oh, a square of historical buildings. All of the buildings have been uh, acquired with uh, furniture and details of, of their past. The third building from the tavern is, uh, is the 1890 one-room schoolhouse, complete with a uh, pot-built stove, an old pine uh, school teacher desk, and a, keros and a kerosene lamp. People's desk and abscess in the uh, children's writing slates, plus uh, various books used in the instructions of the class. Guides are even dressed up of the period of costumes, ready to explain the ready to explain and help the visitors experience life of that period. There's also the best to welcome visitors in the same spirit as the former owner of. The uh, Lucas Tavern, Elysia, Elysia Lucas, Eliza. I don't know why I can't talk. During the uh, during the eighteen twenties, a hundred and oh, from eighteen twenty to eighteen forty, the area of the Lucas Tavern was a favorite upscale place for the travelers to spend the night in clean beds and yada 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 yada. Okay, she stayed there. Okay, here we go. Uh, Eliza Lucas. Travelers like the General Lafayette who stayed there in 1825 enjoyed a dinner, feast, a variety of ta tavern fare that offered such items as chicken, five vegetables, pudding, sauce, sweet potatoes, preserved fruits, and a wonderful dessert of strawberries and plums along the wine brandy. Oh, someone tell me what a wine brandy is, please. Eliza loved the loved what she did and raised her family here. She did she had little education but was a motivated hard worker who put her all into her tavern. Her warm hospitality and pleasant disposition and wonderful service she offered to her guests made her tavern business a success. In the 1840s, 40s, the Lucas Tavern became a private home for over 100 years. The building was abandoned in the, in the 1960s. Uh, fortunately, the landmark foundation stepped in to uh, rescue it during the night during the night during 1978 and moved the famous tavern into an old Alabama town restoration of Lucas Tavern was complete in 1980 the spirit of Eliza Lucas became active in 1980 after the renovations of the tavern was complete and the uh, living had moved into the officers offices located in the old bedrooms but not only uh, was her beloved tavern restored, but she once again had people coming, visiting, and occupying her tavern. She also was pleased with the building she spent her life around, where also it was also re restored. And she began visiting them all as well. 
The most calming sighting of Eliza is that of a five foot three inch woman dressed up in a Victorian dress, waving, uh, waving and smiling at people passing by while she stands on the stands at the doorway of the tavern, a favorite place of hers. On one Saturday morning in 1985, a man came inside the tavern, uh, earnestly waiting to uh, meet Eliza, whom he had first encountered just uh, at, inside the front door of the tavern. Eliza has also, has also not only appeared to uh, a variety of various staff and guides, she also considers herself a member of the uh, Governor Old Hall Historic Committee. She, she is well thought of by the staff who appreciates her warm, friendly, helpful, and uh, spirit. Her warm, friendly, helpful spirit. Eliza also took takes objects objects and puts them in different places. She likes to uh, rearrange, straighten up, and put in disarray various objects and things. So basically, she's a little fucking jokester. She needs to be slapped. I'm just kidding. Okay, I think here's a little story. At one late afternoon meeting that took place in front of the fireplace in the main tavern room, a uh, con- controversial matter was being discussed. One committee member became violently drunk. No, became quite uh, angry while expounding his or her point of view. Suddenly, a <laughs> great puff of smoke and ashes blasted from the fireplace. Oh, wow. Covering his uh, angry person with a gray gray coat of gritty chimney soot, much to the amazement of the people there. I hate it when they do that, put shit in parentheses. Well, everyone assumed it was Eliza, that she uh, did that to calm the uh, man down. The staff has to watch what they uh, say as well. During lunchtime break, two staff members were discussing the historical district and how it operates, perhaps being a little too critical. In Eliza's opinion, suddenly the door of their room began to slide off its hinges and hit the floor with a loud thud. And that was uh, thought to be Eliza too. And she also has visited the other historical buildings, uh, master masquerading in front of the uh, both masquerading in front of both staff and visitors. She especially likes the schoolroom and has even felt it failed in as a uh, photographer model, like a regular guide will do. That's fucking weird, crazy. But I mean, she's one of the spirits that. Lived her whole adult life in this house, tendering and taking care of everybody and being a nice hostess, and she still likes to do that in death. As, uh, here we go, schoolroom, okay. In the late afternoon on 1 August day in 1986, an amateur photographer talked to the staff into letting him take pictures after the museum had officially closed. We went to the schoolroom first, but the schoolroom first because it would soon be too dark to take natural light pictures. As we walked towards the school, we wished that he had one of the guides to act as a uh, model, pretending to be a teacher. He entered the room quietly, closed the door. When he looked up, to much of his surprise, he saw that. There was a guide dressed up in 19th century Victorian costume. She was standing by the uh, window studying a McCuffey reader used by the uh, children setting up the uh, perfect picture. Excuse me. After taking some pictures from various positions of this guy, of this guide, his uh, trump, his trumpet hit the la- his trumpet. Okay, his tripod hit hit the leg of the nearby desk with a loud crack, startling the woman, causing her to 
hurriedly start to leave. He pleaded with her to sit at the teacher's desk so he could get some more photos. She did not answer him, but went to the picture of George Washington hanging on the wall and stood under it. She then looked directly at the photographer, smiled at him, and waved just like she uh, does when she's in the front of the building. That's creepy. Could you imagine? You're like, man, I really wish uh, that some uh, guy, somebody was here, you know, to pose as a model and poof. And the whole time the fucking model's a ghost. That would trip me out, man. That would be fucking nuts. Imagine. Jesus Christ, that'd be crazy. Yeah, I would definitely uh, pee my pants. Okay. Then uh, when he started thinking about, you know, the woman, he noticed something strange in her eyes. She did not react to him as a person, but looked directly at his face, making eye contact, despite it being a warm August day. The photographer was uh, in, uh, in, in the photographer was uh, overtook with goosebumps and chills, which prohibited his uh, being. Much to his uh, astonishment, the woman floated through the wall under the Washington picture and disappeared. Now, see, that would flip me the hell out. The photographer came back the next day and talked to the guide on duty in the Victorian Center in the tavern where he learned of uh, Eliza Lucas. As he was about to leave, he found the McCuffey reader from the schoolroom lying right on his feet, which wasn't there a moment before. That's crazy. Oh, and uh, when he went home and developed the pictures that he took inside the school... <laughs> the pictures were blank, except for the uh, bright gold light, which was seen in the place where Eliza was uh, standing in each picture. That's crazy. Imagine that if you went to, uh, you know, take pictures of something and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? I'm a ghost and I'm going to be in your pictures. What do you say to that? Nothing. Man, my coffee's getting cold. Okay, what do we got now? All right, we are moving right along. Okay, our next story is The Bill Skelto's Hole in Newton, Alabama. Okay, The Bill Skeeto is reported to haunt the uh, Chattahoochee River Bridge in Newton, Alabama. During the Civil War, Bill was the victim of a lynching for reportedly hiring a substitute to a substitute to fight for him through the war while he became while he came back home to take care of his sick wife. All Although he denied the charge, he was hung from the bridge, but being that he was a tall man, a hole had to be uh, dug beneath his feet to properly execute the uh, lynching. To this day, the hole has not and cannot be filled. Many have reported putting uh, derbies or trash or other kind of stuff in there, but it always gets washed away or something. All right, here's some more stuff I found out. Perhaps the most haunted bit of the uh, Newton's history was a tragic and brutal death that took place months prior to the Battle of Newton. This is uh, the story I just told, so we're just going to read it again real quick. Okay, the, de the death of William Bill Skeeto, the uh, exodus of criticism of Skeeto's death are unknown. What is known is that Bill Skeeto was a Methodist minister. He was captured in December 1964. Some believe that Skeeto was a deserter. 
Others even go as far as to to suggest he was uh, secretly uh, aiding the Union forces. However, these charges are largely disputed, and with the passing of time, have been largely dismissed together. What is believed is that Sikto 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 may have hired a mercenary to fight in his place, so that he could ret- return home to care for his ailing wife who was dying from a terminal illness. <clears throat> Nevertheless, Skeeto was captured by a mob and sentenced to death. He was to be killed by hanging after being uh, being several, uh, beaten beaten several times, brutalized and hum- humil- humiliated by his uh, tormentors. Skeeto was lynched and captured was lynched and captured as he crossed a wooden bridge over the Chattawachi River in December by the uh, rogue uh, militants. Skeeto's method of execution was to be death by hanging. A rope was slung over the tree branch with a uh, nose uh, fashioned at the end. Asked if he had any last words, Skeeto began to pray not for his own life, but for God to have mercy on his ex uh, executioners. These only further enraged the uh, militants. Uh, Skeeto sat on his horse with a rope around his neck, and he and he prayed. The militia in uh, the militia. Went by Skeeto's act of prayer. He whipped the horse, causing uh, Skeeto's body to drop. In a gruesome turn of events, the militant had misjudged uh, Skeeto's large frame. His feet were uh, able to touch the ground. There he was uh, struggled to breathe. Skeeto was uh, nowhere near death. His neck uh, unbroke. As such, the militants dug a shallow hole under Skeeto's feet. Eventually, the hole reached uh, a significant depth, and after several minutes of gasping, Skeeto finally died, suffering a slow, painful, and cruel death. After uh, removing uh, Skeeto's corpse, the militia attempted to fill the hole in dirt with uh, debris. To their... uh, to their belief, the following day the hole was discovered to be empty again. It was unknown who may who had bleh, it was unknown who might have dug out the hole. Several more attempts were made to fill in the hole, only for it to be discovered completely empty again, sometimes within hours. The unexplained phenomenon lasted for over 125 years. No local or scientific theories have ever been able to explain the un, the uh, unfillable hole. Ultimately, all theories led to the paranormal and inability to cover up a gruesome episode of an, of American history. An unjust, torturous death of innocent of an innocent good man that was uh, that we cannot bury or hide. Instead, Quito's hole serves as a constant reminder of men's capacity for currently just cruelly against a man or another man. I don't know what the fuck that means. That was kind of stupid. Okay. Well, that is pretty crazy. They keep trying to cover it up. Could you imagine dying like that? That would really suck fucking ass. I mean, it would It would suck because, I mean, Jesus. Had to dig a hole to kill you. God. That, that's just shit. I bet you his spirit's around that place. I wouldn't like to hang around there after night. Okay, fellas and ladies, we got three more. But let's take a quick break. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you 
ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your co host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban le- murders, unsolved mysteries. murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to What's, what's really, really Out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm-hmm. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's What's Really Really Out There. There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed that little commercial. Let's get to our next story. Our next story is Gaines Ridge Diner Club. The Gaines Ridge Diner Club in Camden, Alabama has been named the most haunted restaurant in Alabama. That's where they'll name anything the most haunted. The popular restaurant is located in is located in an 1820s antebellum home in it antebellum home and is well known for its family of ghosts. Several guests have reported hearing screams, the banging of banging of pipes and pipe smoke is around the house. You can smell pipe smoke around the house, which no one is uh, smoking when you smell it. Floating woman in the windows, the cries of a baby, and apparitions in the mirror of a tall, bearded man in black. The owners, the owners report her experiences with the ghost as ghost truths rather than ghost stories, because she was absolute convic- convinced that they happened to her. She says she heard the mister the mysterious screams of a coworker who denied calling out to her even though they both heard the yelling. Why not dine at the uh, most haunted restaurant in the state during the during this fearful during this time would be great. Now these right here I have that I'm going to be telling is like stories from people their experiences. This evening we were checking out the Gaines Ridge Diner Club. The Gaines Ridge Diner Club is a local stable and definitely a place to check out if you're if you're if you are a his, history buff, ghost hunter, or food connoisseur. The Gaines Ridge has it all, baby. The Gaines Ridge is an aptabellum. Home located in Candom, Alabama. The Gaines Ridge was built in the late 1820s, and for a while was the only was the only two-story building between Black's Bluff and Alton or Allenton. The home was uh, purchased by Betty Gain Betty Gain by the Betty Gaines Kennedy family in 1898. And has been passed down from generation to generation. Betty opened the diner club with her sister Hayden Gaines Marsh in 1985. And they have been serving up delicious food ever since then. The Gaines Ridge has its fair share of ghost stories. But some of the most popular are the 
or what Mrs. Betty refers to as ghost trues because she says they happened to her. One night we were closing down the uh, place and Miss Betty and one of her chefs were getting ready for a party that was beginning to be hosted at the diner club the following day. So they got done and they was just getting stuff ready for the next day before they went home. Miss Betty went upstairs to retrieve an extra pot to accumulate the large quantities of food they were preparing. While upstairs, she heard a, woman, a woman's voice. Miss Betty, Miss Betty, come quick. Miss Betty dropped the pan or dropped the pot and ran downstairs thinking something horrible had happened to her chef. She ran into the kitchen only to find her chef staring back at her. When Miss Betty asked what happened, the chef responded telling her, That wasn't me that called you, but I heard it too. Miss Betty and her chef were so shooken up, they decided to uh, leave for the night and come back in the next morning to prepare the rest of the food for the party. The second ghost truth occurred a different night during regular dinner business hours. Betty's daughters heard a loud crash coming from the woman's restroom and saw the door to the restroom shake and slam closed. Her daughter was unable to open the door and due to the loud noise assumed somebody had fallen against the door, preventing it from being open since uh, there were only one door to the bath there was only one door to the bathroom. She called Mrs. Betty in to help open the door. After some shoving and force, the door was swung open to reveal em an empty bathroom. There was no one inside, no one of the uh Pictures on no one but the uh, pictures on the wall had fallen. That's all that happened, and nothing really seemed to be out of place. Till this day, Miss Betty and her staff have not been able to explain what happened on those nights, but they do believe these ghosts are here. She don't mind them much but they act up sometimes whenever something goes wrong they know the ghosts might have been doing uh might have been dining with them so if you're ever around uh this place in alabama go check it out it sounds pretty good it's called steven's oil shut no it's called uh the Gaines ridge dinner club all right my Flying floggy friends. We got two more stories. Yeah, and I didn't drink my coffee fast enough, and it got goddamn cold as shit on me. Some of my bitch. All right, let's get ready for these last two, guys. <laughs> All right, our next story is Highway 5 Ghost. This is in the Lynn, Alabama area. This stretch of road is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was killed by a trucker. Apparently, she travels up and down the road searching for her killer and has been reported to bang on truck doors in the uh, midst of her searching. She supposedly steps on the side of the trucks and peers inside the window to get a look at the driver. Not wanting to express the uh, sight of its angry apparition, many truckers bypassed its stretcher road, choosing, choosing instead to take Highway 13. Truckers admit that they drive. Uh, truckers admit that driving down Highway 5 in a truck is still uh, a creepy and eerie feeling. Here's some more stuff. Here's the story about it. Everybody love Okay, here we go. Prom night is supposed to be a magical night in every little young teenage girl's dream. Excuse me. She gets a beautiful crown, shoes, hair, and makeup. She gets to look like royalty for many, for many girls. They get uh, treated like royalty. Some ride in a uh, rented limos. Others rode in their boyfriend's sports car. 
It's a night that they that will last forever in their memories. In Lynn, Alabama, one girl's prom night has become memory most forgotten. The beautiful girl went to the prom with her boyfriend. They had a good time, but when it was uh, when he was driving her home, the two of them got into a heated argument. Although it was raining heavily, the girl demanded to be let out of the car so she could walk home instead. He obliged letting her out between uh, the Natural Bridge and Jasper. On the side of, the, uh, side of uh, Highway 5, he drove away, eager to get home, and she walked angrily towards home. That's when it happened. An 18-wheeler speeding down the highway and unable to see her ran the girl over. He got out of his truck and saw that she was dead. Knowing, knowing that if he reported, that he reported it, his life would uh, surely be over. He decided to push her body off the road into a uh, nearby ditch. When she didn't return home, her family reached out to her boyfriend to find out where he had left her. He took them to Highway Five. At, Highway 5, and there they found her body in the ditch where the uh, trucker had left her. See, that's fucking sorry. Because of him, this girl's going to be a ghost the rest of her life. Still trying to find that motherfucker. Man, I hate stories that end that bad. Her ghost now haunts, now haunts part of Highway 5, right between the Natural Bridge and Jasper. If you're unlikely... Uh, are you are, if you are unlucky to drive an 18-wheeler down that road on a rainy night, you may just see her. She's on the lookout for the man who killed her ghost, who killed her, and her ghost climbs to the side of every 18-wheeler. She sees and peeks through the window to find out if you're the driver that killed her so many years ago. Yeah. <coughs> that one was a shorty. But this last one should be pretty good. Okay, let's get her done. Okay. We're going to go over Fort Morgan in the Gulf Shores of Alabama. Uh, the Fort Morgan area has become a vacation, uh, vacation spot for beachgoers hoping to relax and enjoy sand and surf. Little do they know, Fort Morgan has a rich haunted history dating back to the Civil War. The front took heavy fire throughout the bloody Battle of Mobile Bay. It is rumored that visitors can hear the cries and screams of men late into the night. And they have been, and they have seen the ghost of a solitary woman searching for justice being killed at the fort. If you visit the fort, if you visit Fort Morgan, look out for the man in the Confederate uniform hidden in the shadows. What the fuck? I got this the wrong way. That was weird. Excuse me. Fort Morgan is a is a raffle with tales of ghosts and strange occurrences. One of the most haunted spots is probably the old barracks. This could be blamed on the fact that the in the early 1900s a prisoner hung himself in the barracks. It is suggested that the hanged man can be heard crying out late at night. There, are, there is also a female spirit running around the fort searching for justice. Okay, here we go. Here are some more stuff. There have been many sightings over the years. The old barracks are said to be one of the most haunted uh, portions of the fort. In 1970, 17, a prisoner hung himself there. 
According to uh, many reports, you can still hear the man screaming late at night. Visitors say they they also hear footsteps and have been touched by spirits there too. During the Civil War, a bomb went off in the room of the fort, killing several men. Visitors say the man can still be heard screaming. The most witnessed manif- manifestation is a young woman. She, is a, she was attacked sometime during the 19th century and is believed that she still roams the fort and grounds looking for Zekilla. The fort was seized by the state of by the fort was seized by the state of Alabama troops in 1861. Blah, in 1861, turned over the Confederate Army. The fort served as the first line of defense for the city of Mobile and provided protection for the blockade and runners entering the bay. In 1864, Union naval forces fought their way past. Fort Morgan and defeated a con- Confederate naval squadron. In the forts, fi- uh, 581 men were forced to surrender. During World War One, 2,000 troops were stationed in the fort. Many of these men trained on the uh, newly artillery weapons that were being uh, common places on the uh, battlefield of France. With the end of the war, Fort Morgan, uh, Fort Morgan's garrisons were steadily reduced, and in 1923, the post was ordered to be closed. In 1941, the U.S. Army occupied its spot to renew the fort's coastal defense mission. In July of 1944, Fort Morgan was abandoned for the last time, and its role in America's coast defense officially came to an end. Fort Morgan, a monastery fort located along the Gulf Coast of the mouth of um, Mobile Bay, is considered to be one of the... God damn. Every fucking place is considered. Okay. As I walk through the tunnel entering the fort, I got a feeling that I'm entering hollowed ground, says the tour guide sometimes. Okay, what do we got here? Many guests say the many guests say they believe there are spirits and ghosts still present in the fort. It's easy to it's easy to time travel as you walk through the ma- the massive archways along the same corridors where soldiers lived, worked, and died for just over a century ago. One popular summer night at dusk. I heard something rapping. Rapping? No, I'm just kidding. One uh, one particular summer night at dusk, Rodo would call the sky. Waldo was stationed in back in the back room for the back room of the uh, fort near a row of casemates, dressed in period soldier uniform. His assignment was to tell visitors. About the deaths in the front, in the front, from the time of construction to the closure after World War II, according to Waldo, three young women entered the uh, candlelit entrance and stopped to take a picture of the door, of the doorways, then ran through five of the uh, casemates' uh, rooms. They were they were towards the end of the group coming in. Just as one of them is in the process of taking the picture, one of them shouts, Did you see that? The other two say yes. They pull the picture up on their phone, and sure enough, there is an orb-like object in the photo. He recalls, They asked me if anyone else is back here. I told them that they were the only ones back there at the time. Mm. So I guess you better be uh, careful what you uh, take pictures of. And see an old fort like that, man. I bet you they got so many different kind of hauntings there. You know, 
So I'd love to go visit a place like that. Oh. Well, guys, looks like we made it through the first. Excuse me. That was so rude of me. Looks like we made it through the first episode of season three, guys. Wow, it's amazing. I can't believe it. God, all these goddamn paper clips for my shit, and they all get hung up together, and it pisses me off. But anyways, I'm glad you guys enjoyed our show today. I thought it was pretty good. I see I lucked out and found some damn good stories this time that were lengthy and had some meat to them. So, heck, this podcast was over an hour or so. Like I said, I hope you cats enjoy. Um, remember now, this drops every Wednesday. It's uh, Ghost Stories Told from the South. Lexi's going to be coming back on board. It's a season three. Uh, don't forget, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, iTunes, Amazon. I mean, and if you're on the YouTube channel, subscribe for me right now, please. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can go up there and rate my show. Give me a rating, guys. Give me some feedback. But I hope you guys enjoy the show Enjoy the show today. Hope I didn't mumble and fumble too much. Just want to say thank you guys once again. Season 3 is uh, just starting off, and it's already starting off to a good fucking, good, 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 uh, good spot. So I'm pumped up, ready, had a good time today going over the stories. So, um... Like I said, guys, uh, try to mingle with me more on Facebook if you want to. Uh, send me a DM about uh, some of your ghostly experiences or something. Or tell me about something that's haunted in your area or your town. And if you're out of country, text me. Uh, you know, tell me uh, some stories from where you're from. I like listening to other, other cultures and their uh, ghost stories, too. So, But, guys, this has been Ghost Stories Told from the South. And I am your host, Stephen LeBooth. I hope I didn't scare you too much. But this has been episode 105. But you guys have a great evening. Don't get too scared now. We will see you later. Bye.